It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We're going to get started today by talking about Dan Patrick again, because Dan Patrick keeps going back to this Joe Burrow interview and this Joe Burrow isn't in on the Bengals storyline. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to take a look at a Tyler Dragon tweet. He said down at the Super Bowl, everyone was telling him, Tyler Dragon, of course, the Bengals beat writer for the Inquirer, everyone telling him the Bengals need to establish a run. And then Evan McPhillips points out in a reply, in a quote tweet, that Mixon got a lot of runs last year. There are other ways to get him involved. But then there's a whole question. Do you build around a quarterback? Do you build around a running back? What do those things look like? And then we're going to get into some free agents. We got the Super Bowl. It's over. We, we can talk about the last couple playoff teams here. And if we have time, which I think that's enough for a show, but if we have time, we'll get into some of the other teams in free agency as well. But let's get started with this Dan Patrick thing. Dan Patrick, again, talking about his interview with Joe Burrow down in Miami before the Super Bowl, talking about how Joe Burrow's not all in on the Cincinnati Bengals. And and these are his points, right? His main points are Burrow would have said, yeah, I want to go number one to the Bengals and I want to turn that team around and win a Super Bowl. And the Bengals should have gone out and got Joe Brady. And, and why didn't he say, you know, why did he say this thing about being committed to win a Super Bowl? He doesn't even mention Carson Palmer. He just thinks that, the Bengals aren't going to win a Super Bowl anytime soon. So Joe, Bra- so Joe Burrow, you know, he should want to go to Miami. Miami, like Miami? Right. And the whole thing is just, it's preposterous on, on multiple levels. Joe, give me your quick take. Well, I think uh, people keep talking about it, keep clicking on it, keep playing the videos and maybe downloading the episodes. And I think, and I'm talking about Dan Patrick's, not ours. But uh, the, <laughs> so I think people get into it. And I think people like to... Talk about some drama when there is nothing going on right now other than the Super Bowl just ending. You would think you'd have enough content there for a week. But Dan Patrick, uh, I think he's taking these in it, it, two different ways, right? First, I see the headlines on Twitter, and then I go listen to the video. And I, I'm like, okay, it's not as, ever as bad as I think it is when I hear it in context because I I feel like they're Dan Patrick's uh, feelings of what he – is, is his own interpretation of what Joe, Bur- Joe Burrow said, not actually what he's being told or what he's hearing from Joe Burrow, but just kind of he's putting two and two together and saying, oh, he must not be 100% in the Bengals. But then when you go back and look and listen, and it's like the things he's asking for aren't things. They're not things that we should expect to happen, right? No. Yeah, I mean, the, I went back and tried to look. There's no coach 
that an NFL team has been like, we need to go get that coach before we draft this guy. There are a couple examples of coaches and quarterbacks reuniting later in careers, but there's nobody that's gone out and been like, I need to go hire that offensive coordinator from college and then draft the guy. Chip Kelly didn't draft Marcus, or maybe they didn't have a chance to draft Marcus Mariota, but Chip Kelly never got one of his quarterbacks, right? Nobody was ever like, we want to go get this Oregon quarterback that's producing so well in this Chip Kelly system, and we're only going to do it if we can also have Chip Kelly. Quarterbacks, generally draft prospects, don't say before the draft, I want to go play for the Cleveland Browns and win a Super Bowl. I want to go play for the Miami Dolphins, and I'm going to turn that team around to take them. Nobody says that. People get drafted, and then they say, you know what, I, I'm, we're going to win. And you hear right. that from everybody. And these are all canned responses before and after. And we're talking about it because Dan Patrick keeps going back to it. And I totally agree with you. People are clicking on it. It is getting the traction. It's driving traffic to his show. But it's ridiculous. Anyway, I think that's all I got on the topic. Anything else you wanted to add? No, just that um, I agree that he I don't expect him to say I want to go to Cincinnati anytime soon. Not until they've formally made contact with him, brought him in and started to build that relationship on a more personal level to where it becomes very, very obvious, more obvious than it already is that he's going to be the pick. Right. I think it's he's not going to say anything. He's not going to say whether he wants to go anywhere right now, because I think anything is on the table. If someone calls him with five first-round picks, the Bengals may listen to it, and that changes the entire landscape for Joe Burrow. So he's not going to commit himself to one city or one team. So we just got to take it easy, go slow. This stuff is going to happen. He's going to be the pick. We don't got to worry about it. And if we do have to worry about it, well, then you can make your choice. And whatever that choice is, pick something that's healthy for your brain. But let's move on and talk about this idea of building around Joe Mixon, running the ball more, establish the run, as Tyler Dragon put it, or just building a team like we've seen Kansas City do. We talked about yesterday, build around your quarterback. The Cincinnati Inquirer's Tyler Dragon down at the Super Bowl spoke with coaches and players around the league, and they all said that the Bengals need to run the ball more with Joe Mixon. Is that the best way to approach team building? Or is it draft a quarterback and feature Joe Mixon as part of that plan? This is your Locked On Bengals lead story. I'm Jake Lisko, along with Joe Goodberry. So Tyler Dragon down in Miami, talking to players, coaches around the NFL, established the run. Tyler Dragon's keys to the game almost every week this season, established the run. Evan McPhillips, who works for Pro Football Focus, comes back and says, well, actually, Joe Mixon's 278 rushing attempts, fifth most in, in the NFL this year. Just 42 targets, though, which was 29th. So there's a way to get Joe Mixon more involved in the game. And you can build around Joe Mixon, but if they're going to, then they have to do it the way the Panthers have done it with Christian McCaffrey. And that means that he's got to get more targets in the passing game. But what does that look like as a team? I think the Panthers are the most apt comparison I can think of for this sort of strategy. I also think the Saints with Elvin Kamara two years ago when they were throwing to him just as much as he was carrying the ball in some games, you know, when they had to drop back and throw it 50 times. And when you look at LSU and their passing offense and Joe Burrow, and if that's the pick and that's who you're going to build around because the quarterback is infinitely more important than the running back in the running game, you will, you will see their offense is predicated a lot on going empty in the backfield and splitting that running back out having the defense declare what it's doing, man or zone, and throwing to that running back a whole bunch. Clyde Edwards-Alaire caught over 40 balls, which is a lot for a, a college back. 
I think Mixon could get a little bit less in terms of carries and a little bit more in terms of targets, and that would be a, a healthy balance for a a, a team that's going to want to build around their young quarterback because that is the path to success in most for most teams. I think the difference between the Bengals, until they have Joe Burrow at least, and those two teams that we've just talked about is the elite quarterback play in New Orleans. And then in Carolina, at least the last two years, really good perimeter threats in, in their wide receiver core to go along with Christian McCaffrey, who's the best receiving back in the league. Right. And we've talked about this on the podcast before. Joe Mixon had a profile that was competitive in terms of a receiver with Christian McCaffrey coming out of college, just has not been used that way in the NFL. So that is the path. There is a blueprint there that you could take to ease Joe Burrow into the NFL and, and just really lean on Joe Mixon. But but what that is, is is not running the ball more necessarily. And it may mean running the ball and protecting Burrow as a rookie. But I think sure. afterwards, so this is kind of a, a short-term plan, long-term plan thing. Short-term, run it with, and, and lean on Joe Mixon this next year, right? That makes sense with a rookie quarterback until his feet are wet and he's ready to lead the entire offense afterwards. And that's kind of the the dilemma in paying Mixon for the future is that you can see this offense start to shift more to a quarterback if he's the right guy. And from there also, you got to look back, and Mixon was extremely successful, maybe the best running back in the league over the final eight games of this season, this past season, and the Bengals struggled to score 20 points, and they won two of those eight games. The running game doesn't win. It helps, but it doesn't come number one. They need to get the passing game going first and foremost. You need both. Sure. Say the running game continues to work or they, they continue to do the things that had success late last year when they were playing much worse competition. Let's always remember that when we talk about the last eight games of the year, their schedule got softer. But say some of that success carries over. Well, now you need to build on that with the passing game. And over at PFF, Anthony Trash has done an excellent job of outlining the things that the Bengals can do to improve their offense with Joe Burrow coming in. So we talk about building around the quarterback building your offense around Joe Burrow. The big differences between LSU and the Bengals is LSU runs RPOs 22.4% of the time to Cincinnati, just 57 in 2019. So the Bengals need to up their use of the RPO. They need to up their use of play-action passing. And those are the two biggest differences. Joe Burrow can thrive in that system. But beyond that, a lot of horizontal passing in Zach Taylor's system, that will carry over from LSU, and there's no reason that Joe Burrow can't thrive in that system. So I want to get into that a little bit more. We do have free agency to talk about. So we'll get to all of those things here in just a minute. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable... They work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-U-E 
BlueChew.com. Promo code locked on to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Bengals podcast. Want to go see your Cincinnati Reds this spring during spring training? Well, Arizona is a great place to go, not only see baseball, but to see everything else. And if you go down there and go down for the Cactus League, they've got 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams, 75 degree temperatures. All 10 stadiums are in the greater Phoenix area within 50 miles. Yeah, you can go down and see your Reds in Goodyear Park down there. Or maybe we've talked about it before. You're into the craft beer. They've got Four Peaks, Angel's Trumpet Ale House. Goldwater Brewing Company, all known for great beer. Or maybe you're into hiking. Maybe you want to get out in the desert for the numerous national parks down there. Go up to the Grand Canyon. And if you do the canyon, make sure you bring enough water because it's the way back. Unlike most hikes, that's challenging. It's easy going down, hard coming up. Kind of the opposite of the Bengals. We had a hard time with this bad year, and we're going to come up next year. So go on down to Arizona. Take yourself a little spring break, plan your getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. To touch a little bit more on that Joe Burrow and what the Bengals should do once they get him to build around that LSU scheme and Joe Burrow, because that is the goal, right? That's goal number one. Make this offense, make this team click for your franchise quarterback to maximize him, this offense, and ultimately your roster and team. So, uh, because there's no Joe Brady. Joe yeah, Brady right. went to Carolina to go back to that point earlier. The Bengals didn't bring Joe Brady, so they can rebuild the system and take elements from it. They, As I mentioned before the break, they're both West Coast systems. So that'll play to Burrow's strength at being one of the best lead passers, meaning horizontal passers in the country, according to PFF. But Joe, what else stood out to you in there? Because I really enjoyed this piece. No, I, you're right. And it was the RPOs. And we touched on that in the in the opening. Um, the Bengals have in the past run a lot of RPOs. That wouldn't be foreign to them. It wouldn't be something where they just don't feel like they're comfortable with or exploring with. And I think more teams are doing it more and more. But the Rams did it a whole bunch. When I studied their offense, they ran a lot of it, especially two years ago. And then you remember Hugh Jackson and, and Jay Gruden did a lot of it. But them together, 2014, 2015, even in 2013, a little bit when it was first really uh, starting to spark in the NFL, Hugh Jackson and Andy Dalton were really good at the RPO game in 2015. I don't think this is a foreign concept for them. I do think the areas they're lacking when trying to repu- replicate that is obviously the offensive line. You know, you got to get better there. You got to go more empty. You don't want to keep in these extra blockers. And they did a better job of that this year. I think when you go back and look at Ryan Finley and when he came in, they went empty much more often in order to help him make the reads a little bit easier. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do that again with Burrow. But the, the speed at receiver is something LSU really has. And they took advantage of it a whole bunch. We're expecting A.J. Green to be here. We hope John Ross is healthy. But if not, again, the Bengals are a really slow receiving core. Getting somebody with speed, even if they're the sixth guy as of right now, uh, could go a long way in trying to replicate that offense. Look at what the Chiefs have done, right? We talked about it yesterday. They have five guys that run really, really fast. And none of them are necessarily number one types except for Tyreek Hill, the way he's developed. But none of them were drafted, and nobody thought these guys are going to be future number ones in the NFL. They're fast guys in this draft class. Some of them are undersized, mm-hmm. but the Chiefs weren't worried about that with their guys. They just got fast True. guys. And I think it's a really interesting point in that article that we're talking about here that the empty stuff leads to less pressure, less sacks, 
than six-man protections, both in college and in the NFL. Yeah, there's a nice graphic in that article, and it's something I asked them for a while ago. Uh, Mike Renner gave me a little bit, but this gives you the full look. And it, it shows you college football when you go with five pass blockers, so that means you're sending the running back and tight end. Either they're splitting them out before the play or they're going out to a route. They're not blocking. So five blockers, you get pressure 22.5% of the time. In the NFL, you get pressure 26.8% of the time. Makes sense. You get pressure a little bit more in the NFL doing that. But with six plus blockers. So you're keeping in, in either uh, the tight end, two tight ends, or running back, whatever the case may be. In college football, you get pressure 27% of the time, up 5% more. In the NFL, you get pressured 31.4%. Again, 5% more if you keep in more blockers. What's that tell you? The more blockers you put in, especially when they're bad offensive linemen, the more often you're going to get pressured. And there's a whole piece over on PFF.com, what the Bengals can do to get themselves into contention right away. Includes three free agent signings, some priorities in the draft. So go check that out from Anthony Triash of Pro Football Focus. But without further ado, let's get into the free agents. Let's look first at the Kansas City Chiefs. Their most tantalizing free agent, of course, is going to be well outside of the Bengals' price range. But if the Bengals sign Chris Jones... And he's projected right now to get four years, $18 million on average with $52 million guaranteed, both of which will be massive, if not the largest numbers for the Bengals. Chris Jones has been great, though. He's got three years of elite rating, and then you don't have to worry about Geno Atkins. You've got the perfect complement, the perfect successor. That's no longer a need, but, I mean, prohibitively priced, I think, right? I'm growing more and more looking at this free agent tackle class as we do more teams. I'm like, go get one because it is so really talented. And not only at the top with these guys, I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Jones gets franchised. That's kind of how the free agency always looks like there's a lot of really great talent there. And then we're going to come back and reset the table, you know, a week before it starts. But if Chris Jones was available, he's 25 years old. He's someone Marvin Lewis liked that draft. I, I remember a lot of people uh, pegging Chris Jones to the Bengals at that spot. I think this could now, I'm not saying it could happen. I'm saying I think this should happen. If you're going to spend money, I'm a, I'm all for throwing it on the defensive line and going to get a stud A1 player. And I think he is that. He had a fantastic Super Bowl, so maybe he gets paid a little bit more. Over the cap has him at uh, about $20 million a year expected. So I'm for it. And I think everyone would be excited if that was the thing. But the next guy on this list, PF, we're using PFFs free agent rankings. Kendall Fuller is the next one he played. Nickel corner, safety. He's the other guy they got. The other part of the Mahomes-Alex Smith trade with the Redskins where they got back Kendall Fuller in that second round pick. Fuller was originally a nickel guy. He kind of got phased out a little bit when they got Matthew and Juan Thornhill. Came back, had a really good Super Bowl, batted a pass down, intercepted a pass. He's only just turning 25 years old. He's not even there yet. He's had production in the NFL. He's probably going to get a cheap salary. At least that's what they're projecting. I wouldn't be against that at all, especially if Darquez Denard is asking for a little bit more. You're going to get more athletic with Fuller. Uh, but you're getting, you know, obviously it's not a one-for-one. One. Denard did a lot of good things defending the run and putting setting the edge. I'm not sure Fuller is that type of guy, but maybe a little bit better in coverage. Yeah, my 1A at slot corner is Darquez Denard. But if you're going to tell me that they could go get Kendall Fuller for $5 million a year, which is what the over-the-cap projection is that you just alluded to, that's what they pay B.W. Webb this year. And I would mm -hmm. much rather have Kendall Fuller as my slot corner than B.W. Webb as my slot corner from a track record perspective, from a pedigree perspective, from a flexibility perspective. Kendall Fuller 
better across the board than BW Webb. Although PFF does point out that his play at safety was much worse than his play in the slot this year when the Chiefs moved him there. So that is an interesting note. Going down the list here, some other names that could be interesting. Steven Wisniewski, who is a guard, played 400 snaps this year, was solid. Last year, 678 snaps, not so solid. 2017, 894 snaps, again, solid. So depending on the deal here, and I don't know how coveted he'll be. He'll be 31 in a few short weeks. I'm not sure how much of a market there will be there, but as a backup, I don't think you could go wrong if Steven Wisniewski is your, you know, John Jerry this year, where he's your swing guard. I don't know if there's a huge need for that position for the Bengals, the way their roster is constructed, but is a name worth thinking about just because he has been solid two out of the last three years. And I'm looking at some of these backup linebackers, Reggie Ragland, Darren Lee. They're both 25, 26 years old, respectively. Um, haven't, they haven't been good fits for the Chiefs. They haven't been really good. The Bengals need probably, even if they sign a starting linebacker, they're going to have to get a depth veteran at some point. And I hope it's not just you know re-signing their own. I hope it means they're going to go out and get in some fresh blood. I'd still like to take a chance on Darren Lee and see if he can become anything. A couple other guys to shout out here because they either have connections to Cincinnati or to this Bengals coaching staff. Spencer Ware, Princeton High School graduate, my alma mater from Cincinnati. He's a free agent this year at halfback. He's 28 years old. I think he actually played some fullback in his career too, but he's had some injury issues, hasn't been on the field very much the last two years. And then Matt Moore, talk about a veteran backup quarterback, was with Miami for feels like, 15 years he's 35 years old has some familiarity with zach taylor from their time together in miami and that is a name i think we got to keep an eye on as they're looking for a veteran backup quarterback this year joe any last names to mention on this chiefs roster that are free agents this year yeah yeah just one more guy that gave the bengals a little bit of trouble at times Emmanuel agba when he was with the browns you know he had some moments they would kick him inside and they'd use him a bunch i think if they're going to try and upgrade from Kerry win or if they're not bringing back Kerry win that seems to be they've attacked an edge or defensive lineman a third tier guy a whole bunch and i think agba still got some talent left in him he was a rotational player for the chiefs and then ultimately uh phased out but you know i think uh, that's another young guy i'd like in free agency finding some of these young guys that maybe could bounce back yeah just 26 years old there's a post type sleeper for you to go along with some of these linebackers reggie ragland highly thought of by some coming out of alabama post type sleeper i don't know he probably just doesn't have the athleticism to be an every down linebacker in the nfl but hey there's a couple of these guys that are still young on the chiefs but we also have another super bowl team to get to and we'll get to them in just a second If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Now on to the San Francisco 49ers, the runners-up of the 2019 season. They have a handful more free agents than the Chiefs do. This is going to be a, a little bit of a task for them, but... You know, that means uh, maybe the Bengals could get in on it. The number one guy they have ranked on PFF is Emmanuel Sanders. 
I don't think he's of interest for us. He's going to be 33 next year. He's probably winding back down. If he wants to continue playing, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a one-year or two-year deal, whatever, for the 49ers. I think the guy that interests me the most is Eric Armstead, the former high pick from Oregon. He's in, They're listing him as edge, but I see him more as a interior rusher. He is a prototype five-tech. If the Bengals want to get more length at that position, you remember last year when they went to more three-four looks, they had Billings and Atkins as their ends. Now, typically in a three-four defense, those five-techs, those guys, they need a little bit more length. You like those guys six-four, six-five, six-six, and two-ninety. Um, they can two-gap a little bit more, control their blockers, keep their vision above. Uh, sea level and and you know eat up some uh, space. Ari Armstead's that guy. Plus he can kick in and rush the passer uh, in nickel on the inside. So I think I wonder what he's going to get paid. They have him projected at five year deal for seventeen million. He's twenty six years old, forty five guaranteed. So that's eighty five total. That, again, that's the Chris Jones territory. It's a, it's probably out of the Bengals range. But I think a five tech may be an underrated need if the Bengals want to continue pushing towards that style of defense. If I'm picking between those two guys, though, I'm picking Chris Jones because of mm-hmm. the track record. Jones has done it for three years, whereas Armstead broke out a little bit this year and went from above average to really, really good. And mm-hmm. what's interesting to me, yeah, he's probably a five-tech for the Bengals, but for the 49ers, he actually got, what, 440 of his 774 defensive line snaps outside the tackle? Yeah. Which means he, he has position versatility, right? He, he had some nose tackle snaps in there. He had some snaps standing up. He was playing three tech. He played five tech. He played outside. So he was all over the defensive line. And that's the versatility that you get. He's a, he's an absolute monster in terms of size, six, seven, two ninety two, really athletic from what I recall, first round pick. And, and Hey, if you want to get those first round picks, sometimes you got to pay for them if you can't pick them. And, if you want to go the 49ers way, well, here's one of those guys. Our point yesterday is how the Bengals missed recently on their first rounders, right? That they may not have the young core to try and win it all in the next few years the way the Niners, you know, kind of just did. Going and signing a Chris Jones or an Enrique Armstead kind of fills that gap. Yeah, you're going to pay for it, but it kind of gives you that do-over for those missed picks you had in 2015 and 2017. Um, getting an Armstead is like, this is your chance to go sign a 26-year-old Calais Campbell. I don't think he's that good, but that's your hope if you're going out there and throwing 80, 90 million dollars at a guy. And maybe he is, you know, and um, same thing for Chris Jones. I think these are premium players that you pay for if you want to get a premium player on your roster. Yeah, maybe that that what fourth year? No, fifth year option. Right. So fifth year leap was was a legitimate step forward for him after he kind of struggled, not struggled, but didn't come out of the gate as a first Mm -hmm. round pick. So somebody will certainly pay for that because he was very, very good this year. And then it's exactly as you said, you're not spending the draft capital there. You've got an established veteran, just like Duke Tobin said he wants, and he's still young enough to be part of your core for the next four plus years. Going down the list here, you got Jimmy Ward, uh, safety again, another breakout year. And mm-hmm. we're starting to see a little bit of a trend here, right? Guys that weren't very good, according to PFF, for the last couple of years. And then suddenly, one of the top 10 safeties in football for Jimmy Ward this year. So it took him a while, too. We talked about all these high-round picks for the 49ers. Well, they all sort of came together this year, right? You need that. And the Bengals could still have that a little bit. I mean, what if 
Billy Price, John Ross, and William Jackson all have fantastic years next year. This roster is completely different if that happens, right? You feel really, really good about uh, a few neat positions. Ward can play some safety, play some nickel corner. They used him exclusively, I think, this year, or I shouldn't say exclusively, more predominantly at safety. When he was coming out, he was more seen as a a hybrid-type defender. Again, former first-round pick for the Niners. So they've got a lot of guys they've got to look out for. My sleeper of this group is the next guy, Ronald Blair. He was from Appalachian State. He was a guy a lot of draft guys liked. Uh, 27 years old. He's an edge pass rusher. This is their redo to try and get another Shaq Barrett. I don't think he's going to get paid too much. Uh, But last year, and I don't mean, I guess we kind of have to define what is last year. In 2018, I will say, he had eight sacks and 31 pressures. He's an edge guy that can help you and give you a little bit uh, more juice on that side. If the Bengals still feel it's a need and they kind of acted like it was last offseason. Yeah, there are quite a few comparables here, right? Looking at the the similarities between these players, Blair had a bit of a better year than he had had previously. That's a lot of hads in a short proximity there, so I'm sorry about that. But Shaquille Barrett for Denver in 2018 had 276 snaps. Ronald Blair had 199 snaps last year, so that is in the ballpark. The year before, he had 534 snaps. The year before for Shaq Barrett, 664 snaps. For Denver, Bosa so. and Chubb, they both drafted edge guys. Exactly. And so Blair took a big step forward this year in that limited playing time. And so you are taking a flyer a little bit, right? And mm-hmm. there is some cost to be concerned about. But Blair, like you said, he has a profile that he could be a little bit of a late bloomer coming from a small school. And you could find yourself a bit of a diamond in the rough there if they choose to go after Ronald Blair. And if they really want to gamble... Well, you can take a look at Demontre Moore, right? You you want to go for a real post-type sleeper? And I've used that phrase three times now on this podcast, too. But here's a guy who can hardly get on the field. A lot of people liked him as a draft prospect, and he just hasn't really gotten much of an opportunity. There's another edge guy you could target. Anybody else on this list, Joe, that, that stands out as a potential target? Yeah, Sheldon Day is in a defensive interior position, 6'1", 295 pounds, uh, drafted 2016 in the fourth round by the Jaguars. And he was a guy that a lot of people thought would turn into an interior pass rusher. Never really materialized with with Jacksonville. Um, 200 snaps as a rookie and then was waived halfway through the year. He he played for Jackson San Fran in 2017 where he had uh, 320 snaps. Since then, 2019 was his most snaps in a year with with 409. The most pressures he's ever had in a year was 18 in 2018, and two sacks is the most he's ever had. So uh, I think the flashes there, people that probably rely rely on tape and old scattering reports may like him a little bit more. Again, I think he's probably a guy that gets a one, two-year deal for maybe around a million to $2 million, nothing crazy. And that's someone that may be able to be a rotational piece, especially if the Bengals lose like an Andrew Billings. Not that he would replace that, but I think the Bengals need more of a three-tech for their depth. So we have a lot of guys, and they're Super Bowl teams, so you'd expect there to be some some players you would covet from these teams. We have a lot of guys to add to the list from these two teams, and we'll have to start slotting them in. We, we've, we're starting to populate our list with quite a few potential targets for the Bengals. We have our home run swings, right? We have our realistic you know what the Bengals have done in the last three years then you could go back 10 years where they were a little bit more active in free agency for a few years in there before some of those guys Thomas Howard Antoine Odom uh 
what's a Bryant, Antonio Bryant all had injury issues. And we saw them get a little bit shy in free agency after that. So we'll see the pendulum sort of swings back in the other direction with the money they have to spend, with the reset they have on the roster going. And we'll continue to work through these free agents and come up with our top Bengals free agent targets here with free agency set to open in what, just a little over a, a month, is it? Yeah. Yeah, we got we got the scouting combine and then free agency. We've just got a lot coming up. Just a few weeks until the scouting combine. It's summer when football really dies for for a bit. This week's a little slow too. One other thing we should mention here as we're wrapping up the show is next week we've got a crossover event. This is something that the entire podcast network is doing. We're going to be we're going to be recording five podcasts next week with all four AFC North hosts. We're going to talk about each team. We're going to talk about expectations for next year. We're going to probably talk a lot of shit to one another because just like you, we don't like those other teams either. But mm-hmm. we'll try to keep it a little bit civil because we all are human beings and we need to have a little bit of that respect. Right, Joe? A little. I guess so. Except for those Steelers guys. We'll we'll try to bait them again the way Joe did when we had the in-season crossover. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with Derek Klassen, QB class on Twitter. We're going to talk about Joe Burrow, get his evaluation. He's done a lot of charting. He's working for Roto World and Football Outsiders, I believe, right now. And we're looking forward to that. We'll get some QB talk going on tomorrow. Until then, Bengals fans, have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.